Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode 238 of the Family Medicine Rocks podcast for January 29, 2012. On tonight's show, coming up will be Dr. Jennifer Dyer, pediatric endocrinologist, physician, scientist, and researcher. You can also find her on Twitter at Endogoddess. We'll be talking about her app what it's like being a physician, entrepreneur, and other topics. All that coming up on episode 238 of the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, the president of the American Academy of Family Physicians, my good friend, Dr. Glenn Stream. Um, this year, one of my commitments and, and a great interest is to be more engaged with you as leaders, chapter leaders, uh, and, and our frontline membership. Uh, on, on Monday, a Twitter handle, uh, I'm privileged to be the first one to hold, uh, at AFP Prez, P-R-E-Z. I already have 29 followers. I feel so proud. Um, I have a long, long way to go to catch up to uh, our current student board member, Kevin Bernstein, who has a little over 1,000. Um, and our, uh, our king of family medicine social media, uh, Mike Sevilla, who has uh, nearly 7,000 uh, members. Social media. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast on a Sunday night here on the Block Talk Radio Network. I am your host. My name is Mike Savella, family physician and social media enthusiast. What is this show about? I tell people that this show, this very show that you're listening to right now, this is social media through the eyes of a family physician. Check out the website at familymedicinerocks.com and uh, Shout out to all 8,284 people following me on Twitter. Why, I have no idea, but thank you so much for that. And also shout out to all 330 people who like the Facebook page for this show. Thank you so much for that. Today is Sunday, January 29, 2012. It is 10 p.m. Eastern time, and uh, it feels like 15 degrees. That is 1-5 degrees here at Phantom Medicine Rocks World Headquarters. So how's your weekend been going here? We had a little bit of a cold front run through here uh, earlier this evening. Had some snow, did not have a lot of accumulation. So hope uh, you're having a good weekend here. Uh, Coming up in just a couple of minutes here will be uh, my good friend, uh, Dr. Jennifer Dyer. Very cool evolution uh, I've seen uh, just in the short time uh, that I've uh, known her. Uh, And uh, if you didn't know, she was a journalism journalism major in college, and I'm giving this background so we can jump into things right when she comes on. Uh, She uh, is a a pediatric endocrinologist. What that means is uh, she works with kids, and 
mainly with uh, sugar diabetes, but uh, you know, endocrinologists also work with uh, patients with thyroid problems and other types of endocrine or hormone-type abnormalities. She's also an academic physician and researcher. She does have her master's in public health, which is very cool. And also a physician scientist, uh, uh, interest in health literacy, and uh, um, I guess started out in the uh, social media spotlight texting her patients, uh, which we uh, will talk about here. Uh, but now she's a, a physician entrepreneur, which I think is very cool, very inspiring. Um, and uh, maybe you've been thinking about me doing some of that stuff, so maybe she can give me some tips uh, tonight. She's founder of uh, Endo Goddess LLC, and and as people know her on Twitter, uh, you know she's a champion of mobile health. That'd be hashtag mHealth. You can check that out. She's also chief medical officer at the Duet Health in uh, Columbus, Ohio. We'll be talking about her Endo Goddess app. For the iPhone and just announced available on Android. So all you people on Android, go out there to the Android store right now or maybe wait till the end of the show to uh, download that app and start uh, checking that out. Last time I saw her was at um, at the uh, Mayo Clinic Summit, uh, Social Media Summit last fall, and uh, she was just in D.C., which we'll uh, maybe talk about a little bit. She's going to uh, South by Southwest in March, and uh, she's going to also be going to Paris, for Doctors uh, 2.0, which uh, I'm very, uh, very jealous about, but uh, here is a, an audio clip here of her uh, talking about that. Hi, I'm Dr. Jen Dyer, otherwise known as Endo Goddess on Twitter, and I am so excited to be speaking at Doctors 2.0 in Paris. As our world faces a crisis of chronic disease, we need new and inventive ways to approach the management. And I have been using a patient-centered approach with mobile health that I'll be discussing. I've created an app that's evidence-based, and it incorporates health behavior models. It also integrates social media, patient communities, so that you can use rewards and you can affect health outcomes for chronic disease. I so hope that you'll be joining me, and I look forward to meeting you in Paris. So how cool is that? Well, she'll be coming up. Uh, but first, I do want to thank Blog Talk Radio for having me be a featured host. Thank you so much for that. I've been a social media hobbyist since 2005, and if you're curious, yes, I am a real doctor. I am a uh, family physician in full-time private practice in beautiful but cold northeastern Ohio. So uh should be coming up right after uh, this here. You're listening to the Family Medicine Rocks podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Family Medicine Revolution just Google FM Revolution for more details. And also a member of the ProMed Network, a podcast. You can get there by going to promednetwork.com. Endo Goddess comes up right after this. That's right, Family Medicine's leading voice in social media, in my own mind, 
This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast live on a Sunday night here on the Blog Talk Radio Network. And on the line with us, uh, we have right now the, the fashionista uh, herself, uh, Dr. Jen Dyer. Jen, uh, welcome back to the show there, my friend. Hey, thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. Hey, you know, I'm sorry. You know, I, I'm pulling you away from the, uh, the Screen Actor <laughs> Guilds Awards. I know you're 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 on, on Twitter, but the first question I have uh, for you here this morning, uh, this evening, Jen, is: uh, So, are the SAGs are they are they as exciting as the as the Golden Globes? Because I know the Golden Globes are huge for you. It's a big night for you. Yeah. You know, the Golden Globes are my favorite, um, just because they're the first of the award season. So, no, they're not quite as as exciting, but. But they're still pretty darn exciting. <laughs> so, are, are they? I, I, I've, I've been following you on Twitter here tonight. Have there been any surprises, or you know, just want to get your your entertainment reaction before we get into the to the real stuff? Well, there's a lot of blush and nude tones on the red carpet. Um, it may be, it may be recogni- recognizing the kind of somber tone of Americans during elections election season. <laughs> no, I'm a little bit full of it, I think. <laughs> uh, well, you know, that, that's kind of how the, the how the the endo goddess persona, you know, kind of was born. I guess you know. I mean, you're you know, you're a fashionista. You're, you've been following fashion for a long time, and uh, that, that's kind of how that got started. Isn't that right? Well, yeah, I started it with the effervescent Dr. V, Brian Vardavidian. Um, I met him at the AMA Medical Communications Conference several years before I actually was on Twitter, but it was at the same conference that he was talking about Twitter, and I'm coming up on my three years Twitter anniversary um, in April that I joined Twitter at this conference because he made his argument about the 60,000 members of American Academy of Pediatrics that if everybody had a digital footprint by participating with something easy like Twitter, that if they made a digital footprint with just one statement about the proper scientific information about vaccines, that that alone would overrun the search engine for Google and search engine optimization so that Jenny McCarthy and some of the anti-vaccine propaganda would not be the first thing that comes up when you search on Google, which to some, you know, scared moms might might be reason enough for them not to trust their doctor and what their doctor is saying if on search engine optimization what they see first is not proper scientific information. So that, like, totally spoke to me, and and I ended up being endo-goddess because, first of all, all of my diabetes patients call their endocrinologist their endo, and I had a sweet little patient that um, she called herself a pink lady because it was like her favorite color and she used to call <laughs> me an endo goddess because I like to talk about fashion with her and sparkles and glitter so she would call me a goddess doctor and so um, I just thought well you know I'll, I'll put a little bit of fashion talk in there uh, into my Twitter persona just because I didn't think I would do Twitter unless it was something that was interesting to me. So I do follow fashion people, but I also follow medical people because, you know, I feel that it helps 
me be interested in participating in social media if it incorporates a little bit more than just my Dr. Dyer self? Oh yeah, I mean it's and it's and it's really you know really kind of progressed. Uh, it's uh, uh, you know to a point where you know you have this app out that now that uh, you know that that uh, you know I know you and I have been talking kind of offline about this for a long time and and it's really you know come to fruition and and you've been uh, you know really recognized uh, uh, out there about that. But but I guess just kind of backing up because uh, I've had a lot of questions about this uh, from from my listeners and readers is. So, so for people who um, you know are, are are unfamiliar, you know, with the, with the Endo Goddess app, um, how how would you describe it, and and uh, you know, kind of what is your pitch for for you know why people should be interested in it, why patients should should use the Endo Goddess app? Well, the main purpose of the app is to help out anybody that uses insulin, or in other words, needs to check their blood sugar four times a day, which is usually somebody that's on insulin with diabetes. And right now what a lot of people do is write down either on their own kind of journal or kind of like a checkbook journal. Uh, What it offers is a better format, a more modern format, and more convenient format with your phone because everybody has their phone with them. Um, if you have a smartphone, that it allows you to journal your blood sugar, the insulin that you give, and the carbs that you eat, which are the typical journal entries that that is the standard of care for somebody on insulin. So that's what the purpose of the app is. But it goes a step further because it really thinks about the patient's point of view and in the sense that, of course, I'd like it to be better because I'm a perfectionist, but you got to start somewhere. And from the point of view of the patient, that it helps them motivate and get a reward for checking their blood sugars and doing the standard of care that you need to do with diabetes. Because let's face it, anybody that has diabetes, a golden child of, of perfect diabetes care is going to have a low point with diabetes, and sometimes they need a little extra motivator to get them through those low points because it's just human nature to not want to have diabetes. But if you get a motivating aspect and a little bit of reward by having a point system and some gamification that gives you that reward for playing the game, so to say, well, you actually get to cash in the points for iTunes for an iTunes download on your smartphone. And maybe even in the future, what I'd love to see is a glittery catalog of all kinds of great things that you could cash in beyond just iTunes. But again, you have to start somewhere. Maybe even get test strips. That would be great, too. Oh, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, I, I've been kind of looking at it, too. And something that also that's really cool on there is is the inspirational quotes uh, that you have on there. Um, where, where did you pull those from? Is, is that from yourself or, or is that from readers or is that from patients that, uh, yeah, that you so pull those? Because I think it's really cool. The inspirational quotes aspect for motivation is on the homepage. And it's pulled from a lot of different sites, but mostly from people in the diabetes online community about – Whenever I crowdsourced a couple of questions out to the diabetes online community, in a short sentence, what is it that you need to hear on those down days? And the two most common things that I heard was, number one, that you are not alone. And I think that is a really powerful statement. Um, Sometimes people with diabetes can really feel alone in their lives when they're around other people that don't have diabetes. 
that don't have a chronic condition that never leaves them, like diabetes. And so sometimes it's just nice to know that there are other people out there that have the same feelings that you do and that it doesn't make you a bad person that you hate diabetes, but that it it just is a healing aspect. I think it's just human nature. But also number two is that you can do this. That Those are the two number or the most popular things that someone with diabetes likes to hear, needs to hear in those down days. Uh, I have to tell you, Jen, uh, like you're, uh, you're obviously you're a rock star, and there are like people flooding into this chat room here uh, right now. Now you can probably can't oh, see it. Oh, cool! But, uh, it's uh, it's our good friends like Ben Miller and uh, Carrie Sparling and Jennifer Shu and some guests Yay. in there. And oh, and Ben awesome. has this, Ben has this question here. He says, "Is there a way for the app to connect the users to other users, create a community of some sort?" So that is a great question. Uh, right now, there is not a way to connect the users, but that is down the pipeline um, that we're thinking of doing. Um, but there is another comp- competing app, and you know, as as a person that's met a lot of the other competitors in the diabetes app space, they are all awesome people. And I would like to say that one of the competing apps. It's called BANT, B-A-N-T, developed by Canadian researchers. And the head program manager of of this uh, BANT program, his name is Mark Castleman. He has type 1 diabetes, which, you know, he doesn't have a problem saying. And he, on their app, they do have a way that the people can talk to each other. But... Just like Facebook, what makes Facebook really a cool social platform is when you have a lot of users because it gets it's kind of stagnant when you don't have enough you know people involved or so you know right now with that there aren't as many users, so it doesn't really get the full full effect yet, but it is something that we're thinking about in the future. Now I'm, I'm looking at the app right uh, right now, and uh, one of the sections here is called timeline. And uh, there's week one. There's a, there's a, a few checkmark things there. Um, I presume there's kind of a progression, um, you know, following this uh, as far as for people well, to follow. Um, so the Duet Health platform. So with Duet Health, we make apps for hospital systems, insurance companies, uh, medical device companies. We make all types of apps. And one of the features of the platform that we use is the timeline, which is great, when, particularly when you have, like, a pre-operation instructions, then post-operation instructions. And we kind of count down to that date of the surgery and then count down away from that date of the surgery and give you specific instructions that are very helpful for daily life. But with a chronic condition like diabetes that never goes away, the timeline is is not really counting down to anything specific. So the way that I suggested designing it and the way that the timeline is incorporated into the app is that it's kind of designed to, to give you reminders between your endo appointments. So that usually occurs every three months, and it gives you some just really straightforward goals to think about for each week. And that's the way I that see. we designed it. I see. 
And there's another section here called medical, and I'm just going to read down the categories here just for people to know about diabetes, living with diabetes, nutrition, equipment, um, and getting involved in advocacy uh, portion too, which I think is very, very cool. Yeah, so, um, you know, what's interesting about a recent study that came out in the Journal of Medical and Internet Research is that a Norwegian group that looked at all of the apps that are available in the App Store for diabetes really found that education and patient education for just really basic aspects of diabetes or any other medical condition is really pretty um, absent from the space in general. And so at Duet Health, we really consider one of our primary purposes is to provide really good quality education. So for the Endogoddess app, because of the purpose of the app is to provide a place and motivation for checking blood sugars, which then we think is going to help you have better health because it's one of the harder things to do with diabetes, that we feel that all of the information present in the app should be to support checking blood sugars. So as if as if someone were going to come be an alien and get diabetes and then read the instructions, they would actually know how to check their blood sugar. They would be empowered. But really, in all really excellent endocrinology, family practice, internal medicine practices that take care of patients with diabetes, education is something that is vital to the medical care and should always be present. But I am finding that there are some disparities in healthcare that some patients don't get the best education that, that I as a perfectionist would like to have them have. And sometimes it is because of reimbursement reasons, but I think it does provide a great service and fills in a needed gap to have good education. And the education on mobile actually is very different than online education because it has to be a very much smaller, kind of like Twitter sentences because the reader's uh, attention is very short and you just don't like to see a lot of words with the user experience. It just, I don't know what it is as far as in your brain that you just don't want to see it. So you have to make every word count. And I do think Twitter has helped me with my verbose writing, obviously not my verbose speaking, but verbose <laughs> writing um, to be much more brief. Sure, sure. So, um, and, and something that, that, that I've heard you in interviews before is the uh, the philosophical uh, background, or you know, kind of the, the B.J. Faw kind of angle. Can you speak a little bit about that in 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 regards to this? Yeah. So, uh, whenever I started texting my patients, um, what I found is that they they liked the texting once a week that I did, but and initially it did help them improve. Uh, giving their insulin doses at meals. But then what I noticed happening over time as I continued to to text them over a, even six- to nine-month period rather than just the first three months where I saw the improvement is that my patients started to kind of slack off again. And whenever I asked them, why, you know, what's going on? And they said, well, Dr. Dyer, we really like that you're texting us. We feel lots of support from you, but, you know, once a week just isn't enough for me. I forget. 
And also, I just don't want to have diabetes. I need more motivation, and I need more support. And whenever I really looked at theories that incorporate how to best have all of those facets, B.J. Fogg's theory kept coming up over and over again. And what his theory says is that in order to have a sustained health behavior, such as checking your blood sugars or giving yourself insulin, the technology that you use needs to provide not only reminders or triggers, he calls them, but it needs to empower you with lots of information about how to do whatever behavior that you're choosing and also motivation so that it's something extrinsic like um, gaming or, you know, iTunes downloads, something that doesn't have anything to do with the blood sugar or diabetes, but it's just a reward. So I felt that the reason that my patients did well initially and then kind of didn't really get the benefit of the texting is because it didn't incorporate all of the other facets of motivation and education. So that's why I I redesigned the EndoGoddess app from the original study that I did to incorporate all of those features. Yeah, I mean it's it, 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 it's it's been uh, it's been great kind of seeing the evolution of this, and I know you know the, the end point. Um, one of the end points is is to uh, you know show that this app uh, you know has improved clinical outcomes uh, to yes. get the data to to show you know uh, 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 payers and insurers. And the, the the question did come up in the chat room as far as you know how. Uh, uh, how are you going to be uh, getting that data and, and generating that data to to present to insurers or present as research at some point? Well, that is actually what I'm just starting up right now. Um, we've been using focus groups in a private practice, uh, in an adult endocrinology private practice here in Columbus. They're getting feedback so that we can get the user experience down exactly the way that we want. And in the next month or so, we're going to be starting a randomized controlled trial using 50 patients that sign up to be part of a three-month-long study where we use their themselves as a control and compare a before and after of using the app and their hemoglobin A1C, all with the same doctor, so there's not a difference of doctor's effect. And we're just going to see, uh, we're able to see how many times everybody opens up the app. So we're going to have that be a secondary outcome measure of patient engagement to see that perhaps of the 50 patients, what I imagine is that the ones that open the app the most are going to be the ones that have the best hemoglobin A1Cs. And I think really over time that it's a great healthcare quality measure and metric of patient engagement. And that that's one thing I think with mobile health is is really a nice feature that I do think will be something across, you know, all electronic medical records and all kind of things that you can measure is a real indicator of good health care. Hemoglobin A1C has its problems as far as being a perfect indicator, but it's really the main one that we have for diabetes. So that's going to be the primary outcome variable that we say, oh, the app really did make things better if it changes that. But I think from a patient point of view that uh, when you look at quality of life, convenience, and engagement, the 
but that's what matters the most. Yes, the hemoglobin A1C matters, but if you can make effects and changes in those uh, quality measures, then I do think that there's value and uh, and probably has more long-term value. But regardless, you have to start somewhere. So I'm going to start by measuring with these 50 patients in Columbus in a private practice and see how it works in changing health outcomes. And I'd like to present that data hopefully in the fall. And how are we funding it? We're funding it ourselves. And the startup company that, that we have here at Duet Health in Columbus is actually we don't have we have angel uh angel seed money and funding but we don't have venture capitalists backing right now. We're looking at that, but we get our income from making apps for clients. So hospital systems like Ohio Health Hospital System, uh we make apps for them. Nationwide Children's Hospital where I previously was uh, we're also making apps for up-to-date. We also make apps for the city of Columbus and Ohio State. Um, but that's how we actually are in business. And then we use the Endo Goddess app as, as an entrepreneurial kind of venture to say, this is the way we would like healthcare to be. Nobody paid us to do this. And, in fact, right now the charge is $0.99, cents, and we'll probably be taking that off pretty soon. Um, just to encourage more users, it's it really it was just to kind of help us get through the initial licensing fees with Apple and and Android. It doesn't really do anything more than that. It just helps us to that to that extent. Yeah, I mean that that kind of uh, uh, bridges to to our next uh, big topic. Um, on the line with us, we have uh, Dr. Jennifer Dyer, Chief Medical Officer at Duet Health. Um, and also Endo Goddess on Twitter. And, um, yeah, I, I do want to get into this, uh, you know, physician entrepreneur uh, that you've, you know, life that you've uh, taken on. And, and uh, I know you and I have, have talked about that uh, in the past and you were working, but now that you are kind of in full entrepreneur mode, you're going all the way back to the development of this app, partnering with a company in Columbus, um, that, that's a that's a very exciting thing. But you know, when you were going through that kind of decision process, as far as you know, I'm seeing patients. I'm you know, I'm in academics. Um, you know, I mean, you know, for people, you know, people like me, or, or or especially physicians out there who are thinking of saying, hey, you know, I really want to try to catch this wave of of technology and social media. Can you share a little bit about kind of your thought process? At, you know, back then, as far as taking that leap of faith and going into technology and being an entrepreneur. Yeah, um, you know, it just, it's something that was kind of burning in me for a while, but uh, it ultimately is a totally passionate aspect that I just really know that this is the right way to make diabetes better. And I did not feel that the academic um, atmosphere for research, I was trying to make it work, but it, it was becoming a bit difficult to make it work. Um, because of conflicts of interest, um, and but, meaning like 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 trying to balance it all together. Yeah, and it, you know, just things are just really slow in academics. And the aspect when I went to South by Southwest and just in the technology field in general, things change really fast. I mean, in six months, um, you know, 
there could be huge changes with BlackBerry. There just can be really rapid changes that go on in the technology field that whatever you were talking about six months later, that going through all of the different kind of administrative issues and academics, just it just so was not matching up in a way that, that I could in my people-pleasing way, make work. And I felt constant conflict about it until the point came when I went to South by Southwest. And I really realized that when I was surrounded by a lot of other, um, by venture capitalists, by, you know, other people out, even outside of healthcare that have really started successful businesses in the techno- technology sector, and here is this idea that I know, I, I just know it's it works and it's working. And I just, my patients kept asking me, Dr. Dyer, why can't I have this? Why can't I have it now? And I just got to a point where I said, i got to get this to you now. And the way to get it to you now is to get it into the Apple Store, get it into the Android Store so you can download it. And so I took a leap of faith in the sense that I just know that this is the right thing to do and made a lot of financial changes. But I I will tell you that I really do miss seeing patients, so I haven't been seeing patients for about six months. And I am actually this week interviewing with a primary care community health clinic in rural medicine just um, to help with an obesity clinic, uh, you know, like – one day a week or in a part-time kind of way because I, I'm really excited about all of the the federally supported health IT technology um, opportunities that go along with rural health. And I just think that as a pediatric endocrinologist where obesity is skyrocketing and diabetes is skyrocketing, I just can't help but feel that I need to be contributing to making it better, um, at least one day a week while I do all of my other entrepreneurial things. Uh, but I mean, so that, that still is had new to be, that... cutting edge news. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, breaking breaking news here yeah. on the here on the uh, show tonight. So make sure everybody <laughs> in the chat room make sure you, you quote that and get my show in there as well. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, <laughs> um, but but I, I would imagine, Jen, that I mean, it's you know that that I mean, it has been a tough process. I mean, it's. You know, and, and probably a lot of sleepless nights saying, "Hey, is this thing going to go? Or is this thing going to sell? Or is this thing going to be done on time?" Uh, are, are there things that that you've kind of, you know, learned about yourself during this process? I mean, it, it's got to be just like a whole overwhelming well, thing. Well, you know, with. as an, I'm really purely in my mind, I still feel like I am an academic researcher, and a lot of the the way that I feel is exactly the way I felt as an academic researcher, trying to get funding to secure your salary with your research and getting grants and and you know you never have when you're a researcher you only know kind of what your existence is like year to year and you're running a business by supporting the salary of the people that work in your lab by the grants that you get and so and by showcasing the innovative ideas that you have for scientific research so at least because, you know, your experience shades the way you see things, that's the way I see things. And it's ironic that it really doesn't feel very different. And, in fact, just having gotten back from the Care Innovation Summit in D.C., they had a lot of really exciting uh, innovation challenges 
where they're providing lots of opportunities for funding. And it really reminds me a lot of of the grant process, but it's a lot simpler in the sense that things are not in the traditional NIH format, but even the NIH format has gotten a lot simpler with the online applications. And I did actually talk to a cancer, um, one of the NIH cancer program officers that was talking about how that small business grants are actually through the NIH, you know, something that that they're really encouraging people like myself that are physician entrepreneurs to really start trying to apply for those versus the kind of traditional R01 grants that people do in academics. That it just seems that there's so much change going on in medicine that that's at least one thing that I'm noticing from my academic background. Uh, there, there's a question that uh, if you were going to South by Southwest, I know you're going to be going. Are you going to be presenting? Uh, are you on a panel there this year? Or? No, I did not get selected on a panel this year, um, but I'm definitely going and participating in all the the wild fun that goes along <laughs> with South by Southwest. And uh, that, that, a lot that, that, of things are kind of organic, I think, about how events happen around um Around those dates, so I don't even know what things are going on yet. Yeah, that, that's on my geek uh, bucket list. Uh, but but I yeah. imagine what, when you go there, I mean you're you're I mean you're doing a lot of pitching. I mean you're you're finding anybody who talked to you, venture capitalist people, anybody with money. You're, you're saying, hey, you know, this is my app, and and I mean, is, is that kind of what goes on in, at those type of conferences? Yeah, I mean, you're selling yourself. I mean, it's it's a lot about it's a lot of sales. Um, but it's networking, and you know I think that it's really exciting to meet people in real life that you talk to on social media platforms, and and that's just a really great venue to do that in. Cool, cool. I mean, this will be what your third year, because I, I know you went last year. Did you go the year before? Or? I didn't go the the year before, so last year was okay. my first year. Okay, okay. I mean, because I know, you know, coming out of that meeting last year, I mean, you're... Because you were going to go last year. I was going to go, and then I ditched you, but... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorry about that. So I'm going to hold you to it on that bucket. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's uh, that's too funny. Uh, You did allude to the the Care Innovation Summit in uh, in D.C. What what was that? That was, I think, last week or a few days ago. uh, Yeah, it was was on Thursday. yeah, for people who don't know, you touched a little bit about uh, on what it was, but what uh, for people who weren't there who don't know what it what it's about, what what uh, what did you get out of it? Well, um, I know that the the organizers of the event were really just trying to keep up this grassroots, exciting um, passion that lots of people in social media, in health IT, and mobile health, and the groundswell of people that are passionate about making solutions for patients better and making the healthcare system flow better. And it's just um, listening to Todd Park speak from HHS is totally inspiring. And I met him first at South by Southwest, and he's infectious with his energy and enthusiasm that you just really believe that, that you can make the world a better place and that the federal government is really providing that opportunity. 
they're changing incentives for, you know, return on investment for health care so that quality health care, talking to patients, and emotional investments in health care and patients actually are rewarded financially versus, you know, bariatric surgery. So obesity prevention is, is rewarded in the sense that it's it's thought to be important by giving some, you know, what, whatever the incentive for return payment to a primary care physician is versus, oh, the hospital gets paid $50,000 for bariatric surgery. Um, the way that the system is right now it does not reward prevention or reward the things that people go to medical school for is to take care of patients and help patients. And um, a lot of people that have gone to medical school and are doctors now have, have you know, felt the frustration that this isn't the medicine that we thought we were going to be practicing. It's, it's not rewarding in the sense of trying to really help patients and listen because it's just not even paid for and our bosses get mad at us if we don't do things that don't provide payment for our practice because we'll go out of business or the hospital will go out of business and you know so what the care innovation summit does is that it's providing a place for public and private um grants challenges money flowing to reward in a competition style ideas to make the system work better and it's filled a stadium full well i think there were 1200 people there of passionate awesome people and i just feel so enthusiastic about the future and that you know that yes i'm definitely an optimist but every challenge provides an opportunity to make things better and that's exactly where we are in healthcare so it's going to be better <laughs> Uh, I know it. Uh, on, on the line with us, uh, we have Dr. Jennifer Dyer, a Chief Medical Officer at uh, Duet Health, also known as EndoGoddess. Check out uh, the blog at endogoddess.blogspot.com. And I want to read this post here. This is from Wednesday, uh, December 28, 2011, entitled uh, My 2012 Prediction, Action, Not Theory. And this is uh, I'll, I'll read this post here. Uh, I'll predict that 2012 will be the year of actions and not just uh, theory of mobile health. This is primarily due to realignment of payment incentives of the Affordable Care Act, which will go into action in October. Starting in October, hospitals will be financially penalized for readmitting patients, which I, which I know Jenny just uh, spoke about. Uh, uh, therefore, I predict that hospital systems and payers will be uh, tuning more and more into evidence-based mobile health purchases and implementations that affect health outcomes. So Jen, I know that, you know, your other passion, I mean, is is has always been mobile health. Um you've been speaking about mobile health for, for such a long time and, and I know that's kind of where this app came from as well. Um you know, just, just kind of carrying on that prediction as far as, you know, that you, you really think that, that mobile health in twenty twelve that is really what's gonna be what's happening this year. Is that because of apps or other type of things? Yeah. Um well, I think it's a perfect storm of everything coming together, as I mentioned about um, the hospital readmission penalty. So that is what all of these awesome people that I mentioned in D.C., they are helping to create a necessary change where that hospitals 
actually are incentivized to keep people out of the hospital. Right now, the incentives in healthcare are, oh, you're sick, then you need to be in the in the hospital. Instead of, oh, you're sick, what is really the best thing for you? Um, is it to, to have home health care? Is it to do telehealth? Is it to talk to you uh, over the phone? And all of those options right now have such they either have no payment or they have very complicated structures and vary from state to state. And what I believe is going to happen out of necessity is that whenever hospitals have a patient that, let's say, has a cabbage or an open-heart surgery after a heart attack and they go home and get an infection on their sternum, well, if they have to be readmitted within 30 days because they get an infection on their wound, then the hospital's not going to get paid for that readmission and so they will the hospital will be negative or down money despite the fact that they were paid for the the patient's first hospitalization. So the way to prevent a hospitalization like that that actually mobile health could be a part of would be to have the patient take pictures of their wound every day. Um, Maybe they have home health nurses coming to do wound changes, but there would be a doctor or a healthcare professional nurse practitioner that's monitoring the pictures and can see, oh, that looks like a little cellulitis, or could actually monitor something remotely just by looking quickly at that picture because any of us that are in the healthcare profession have our friends and family always asking us to look at their wounds, don't they? I do. All of my friends yeah. say, hey, you know, like <laughs> at holidays, I can't tell you how many private parts of my family and friends I've seen. <laughs> that yeah, what do you think about that? actually seems a little inappropriate, but uh, yeah, they always like, want uh, me to see I, their wound. I know. You're like, well, I take care of kids, you know. Like, like I, I can't get out of it because I'm, you know, I'm primary care, so yeah. I have to see everything. But I mean, you could, you at least have an out, I would think. Well, you know, I mean, I, I do see all the parts doing the physical exams, but um, it, it's not usually wound changing that's that I typically am doing. But you know, it's it's actually quite funny and common actually at a holiday gathering with a large amount of family members i'm always pulled off to the side like somewhere in a closed area where someone can show me what about this rash or this wound and it's usually in an area that is a private parts area or something you know that um it's just always my husband always says, "What are you doing? Look at people's private parts again." <laughs> <laughs> but it's just about you know checking for cellulitis and wounds and and several times I've actually caught things like my grandmother or she had a little infection and because I told her to go get treated, it I don't know if it prevented her from having like MRSA sepsis or something like that, but. I know that it was an infection, and she got treated with oral antibiotics, and and she never had to be admitted to the hospital. But not everybody has a friend or family member that, you know, that they can ask. So I think using mobile technology and remote telehealth and Skype or, you know, 
any of these oh, yeah. effects could be really helpful in preventing a rehospitalization for issues like that. I mean, that's just one thing that it could be used for. And I think hospital systems will be really excited to use something like that and, you know, promote their doctors to use it by some kind of reward or, you know, um, raise or I don't know, um, however they want to do it in their system, that that's the only way to really prioritize your time as a physician is is by what gives you reimbursement because that's what the system thinks is important. Um, we just have a, a, a few minutes left. I, it's, it's a sped by tonight, but I, I do want to get uh, your thoughts just on, on uh, some quick thoughts on, on a couple of uh, uh Issues. I mean, the first thing is you're going to Paris. I mean, that's awesome. I'm like, how, how did that all all that happen? I mean, that that is very cool. Well, um, I met Denise, who is one of the organizers for Doctors 2.0, and I met her when I went to Medicine 2.0 in um, Palo Alto at Stanford, and uh, she was very inspiring. She's a an amazing woman entrepreneur to to look to which is in the technology field there aren't as many women and one of the reasons that has been cited in a recent study is just that there aren't that many role models and she's an amazing role model so i really enjoyed talking to her and she thought that for the the next doctors 2.0 which is this year 2012 in may that she really wanted to to feature entrepreneurship and also feature mobile for patient engagement, but talk about it on a global scale for chronic disease because, you know, all countries, even in the developing world, are dealing with chronic disease. Well, have you been to Paris before? I have. Yeah, I really oh, nice. I love Paris. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I am going to go vintage fashion hunting for my little dog. Coco Chanel is her name. So I'm going to try to find a vintage dog collar. Wow. Man, that's great. That's great. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about a couple of the, uh, blog posts that you have. Uh, so so you, you really like uh, uh, Pinterest, don't you? Oh, my gosh. I found my newest addiction. Pinterest is so such an amazing platform and it's i'm noticing uh, with social media there are really popping up a lot of articles about pinterest and my uh, young oh go ahead no no what what, what do you like about it oh it's just really visually um stimulating (laughs) i guess it's kind of like as a very cerebral person I am, it actually kind of feels more primitive. <laughs> it's like really visual. And um, it makes you enticed. It's very pretty. And um, it makes you enticed to look at uh, to look at the, the features of food particularly. A lot of people talk about food on it and fashion. And it's kind of a little bit on the girly side. Um, but actually, it was my younger sister that, who's a mom, and she's been on Pinterest since about September. And a lot of moms are really, you know, really involved with Pinterest because it has a lot of great crafts that you can do with your kids, that um, and just really creative party ideas and cooking ideas. 
And I started seeing on Facebook a lot of my friends and my sister talking about, I did this Pinterest recipe, I did that Pinterest recipe. And there's like, one, for example, one of them is where you cut out a green pepper. So you just slice it, like kind of like a tomato, how you slice it. And so there's just a um, slice of the of the green pepper, and then you put an egg inside of it, cook it on a frying pan, and you, it looks like a flower. <laughs> and wow. it's just <laughs> cute. <laughs> and so um, people would take pictures of, oh, I did this, and I did that. And, and uh, being a, a foodie and chef enthusiast, I just uh, got really excited by it. So I've been trying different recipes, um, been trying, um, you know, seasonal cooking, or right now is kale, and trying to to make healthy food exciting. And, and it is exciting if you make, I mean, that's like a green pepper and an egg, and that's like a really good low-carb meal. Um, and, and um, your most recent uh, blog post here um, has to do with Paula Jean uh, announcing to have diabetes. And, and from my standpoint, it's been really interesting seeing the reaction to it, um, you know, on Twitter or just in the general public and in the you know diabetes um, online community. Um, what, what's kind of your take of that whole uh, situation and the reaction to it? Well, I think that anybody with diabetes can relate to the fact that there are a lot of prejudices about diabetes and that um, people get blamed, you know, for for having diabetes um, in the sense that Paula Dean is getting blamed for having diabetes because of her cooking. But the reality is that, you know, you get diabetes because of your gene set, and then whenever you elicit that with with weight gain, then you can get diabetes, type 2 diabetes. But um, I think that all of the controversy offers really an, a, a challenge that becomes an opportunity to say that, you know, people that get type 2 diabetes, even when they're 600 pounds or 700 pounds, chastising them is not a good way to motivate them to be healthier. And as medical professionals and as people that are compassionate about people in general, I think that all we need to think about is how can we help that person? So how can we help Paula Dean? Um, Maybe, you know, I think she may be, and we just got to give her time. And time with a chronic disease is time, like, um, and especially... With all of this backlash, I mean, she's really going to even need more time to develop how she feels about this whole backlash. But she has a platform that she could really say, this is the way to do it for people that don't have diabetes. This is a way to make a delicious pumpkin bread for somebody with diabetes. And to make having diabetes and eating for diabetes more yummy and approachable and fun and healthy and um so i just i don't think it does any good to make people feel horrible about having diabetes cuz they already don't feel good about it and nobody deserves to have a horrible disease like diabetes and there's just no use in making anybody feel bad about it it's how can we help them cool 
Cool. All right. Wow. <laughs> that hour kind of flew by there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh. oh, I also wanted to ask you about uh, Columbus Monthly Magazine. I know you were uh, interviewed by them, but do you know when that's coming out? Uh, yes. So it will be on the magazine shelves on February 1st, so this week. And I was interviewed as part of a series that is following the TEDx Columbus speakers and, oh, great. you know, what happened after they did their TED speech. And, you know, after I did my TED speech, I did get a lot of meeting invites, which are some of the ways that I got to meet you. And yeah. um, and just it really helped to spread the, the viralness of what I started doing with texting teens for diabetes and, and really got me catapulted into the into the scene so to say well cool i'm uh i'm uh, i'm gonna be in columbus next uh, next weekend so i'll definitely uh get in touch with you and we can, yeah. we can chat a lot more um about you know stuff um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we can't, can't talk wait. about here on the air i'll um, make an but, egg with it that looks like a flower <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, uh, I, I guess finishing up on the on the on the Endo Goddess app again. I mean, you're talking about the data that you're getting, and 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 now you're on Android, which is very cool. Um, mm-hmm. Other other things on the on the roadmap uh, for the app, um, as far as other updates yes. or other new features on it coming up, maybe this so year or so. We are in collaboration with Hope Warshaw, who is a dietitian extraordinaire for diabetes and consultant as well as certified diabetes educator in dc we are making a carb counting app for people with diabetes so i have been very obsessed with carbs uh, for that reason and journaling and and you know practicing what i preach in that sense and i've found with my quantified self fitbit and my app that i've been journaling that I cheat every 10 days, <laughs> so <laughs> I notice my patterns. <laughs> but um, So we're making a carb counting app, and that's going to take several months. Carb counting apps are actually very difficult to make um, in a way that's really got a good user experience, and a lot of people with diabetes will tell you that a lot of the apps for nutrition are all about calorie counting and weight loss, but there isn't really a great app specifically for people with diabetes, that's all about carb counting only. And that can integrate with the Endogoddess app really easily with the data that they're already storing. So we're I don't know when that's going to be done. We're in the early stages of it, but I'm really excited about it. I think it's a great accessory product to the Endogoddess app. And we're talking with a couple of medical device companies that I can't tell you about the details yet, but about incorporating and partnering, and in a sense, with some ideal medical devices that would go with the Indogoddess app. And I'm also going to be entering, after learning in D.C., the Santa Fe Aventus Diabetes Challenge. Um, it's actually oh. doing something very awesome. Uh, They are leading the way with um, getting funding and mentorship to people that have really good ideas that are patient-oriented and and really, you know, help make the experience of having diabetes easier. So I'm going to be entering a version of the Endo Goddess app 
for kids into that contest. And that and I believe that it starts at the end of February is when you can start entering the contest. Wow. Yeah. Man, your 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 schedule is just uh <laughs> it is just super packed. And, and you're gonna try to see patients again? Wow, I don't know. Well, Do you ever like one day again? a I mean, week. I miss patients. Like I'm just really uh, you know, I think I need to, to see patients at least once a week to be a, my normal me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean it, it keeps it keeps you grounded. I mean it really does. Yeah. I mean I you know, I uh I, I and I know you and I have talked about this before, which is I uh you know, I, I I can't give up you know seeing patients all the time at this point. But uh, every time I see you, or every time I go to a conference, or yeah. you know, I talk about, I mean, I just get drawn that way and be like, Mike, you could just give up all that and you know be a superstar <laughs> and do lectures and you know go to South by Southwest and you know talk to these people and those people and and uh, it's very <laughs> alluring. Let me tell you, when I after I talk to you, I'm like, yeah, I could do what Jen's doing. Um, <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> well, you could, and in fact, you know, Duet Health really, and probably in about six months from now, we we kind of are at the peak of we're just got, got to get done what we're doing now. But um, we would really like to think about, you know, testing out a primary care model with, with an, a, a social media enthusiast family practice doctor, perhaps. <laughs> wow, more more breaking news on the show. I've just been offered yes. a job. <laughs> it's majorly breaking news. There you go. I'll have to delete this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, it's very exciting. And, and, you know, and when you and I go to these conferences, we talk to these people, you know, we do this all the time, and it's just, uh, you know, it, it is kind of a glamorous life. But, I mean, there is a lot of hard work with it, you know, and there's a lot of risk. Uh, you know, for people who you know who don't like a lot of risk, I mean, it's it's a big step that you took that you're taking right now, and it's very admirable. Um, but you know, like anything else in life, there's there's good and bad, and and uh, that comes with but it. But let me just have... tell you, it is really f u n fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, so fun. Like I could never not have this as a part of my life. Man, we'll, we'll have to talk more this weekend. F U L O L. You can tell I've been texting too much. <laughs> uh, all right, so, Jen, do you have anything else for us here this evening? Any more breaking news that you want to uh, share on my show? Uh, I, you know, I apologize for for putting you off on this show for so long, but uh, I just bring you back just to just to chat about stuff, basically. Maybe when you come back in South by Southwest, you can tell me about all the. Uh, all the hot deals that you're not allowed to talk about or whatever. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's it's exciting. I think, you know, the only – nothing really late-breaking other than what I've said, but I really think that it is the time for physicians to really try to do this and be entrepreneurs on the side, you know, inventing the seatbelt in their garages and doing exciting things and participating in this exciting movement that is our healthcare system changing and it's it is ours for the taking as doctors to be a part of it uh you do have to take some chances but it is very exciting extremely rewarding and it's the closest thing that i feel to practicing the medicine i went to medical school to do Dr. Jennifer Dyer, uh, Chief Medical Officer at Duet Health. She is the endo goddess. 
go and buy her uh, Endo Goddess app right now, especially if if you're on Android because it's just uh, just a premiere out there on Android. Uh, thank you so much, Jen, for for coming on the show. Well, I know we'll talk a lot more, uh, but I know a, a lot of love in the chat room here for you this evening, Jen. So your your fans have come out for you. You're a rock star. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. I'll be in touch right, with we'll, you, Mike, then. Okay. okay. <laughs> we'll be right back, and uh, we'll be closing up the show. We'll be right back. Thank you.